Yo, welcome back to the lighthouse. I'm your humble host, Evan Savvy. How is you doing? <laughs> you doing well? You holding up? I think we're about to get back on lockdown. I don't know, folks. Technically, isn't that what we've kind of been on? I don't know. Anyway, so if you kind of hear a little nasally or kind of congestion in my voice, please excuse it. I've been getting over a cold. No, it's not the Rona. It's just a little allergy. It's got dehumidifier. I got some Vicks. You know what I mean? I'm going to tough it out. But outside of that, I'm doing absolutely fine. Okay, so I just have to tell y'all this stupid shit, okay? So, you know when you have friends that you're really close with, you talk to each other differently than you would anybody else, you kind of cuss at them a little hard or whatever, you know. I've been knowing this guy since middle school, close friend of mine, you know. I called him one day, and he didn't answer the phone. I was about to hang up, and I was like, you know what? Let me leave him a stupid-ass voicemail. <laughs> I did the most childish shit that you can do, so I just got real close on the mic, and I just went, <laughs> yes, I know that's stupid. Yes, I know that it's absolutely retarded, but that's the point. We just fuck with each other. You have no idea how bad he fucks with me. So I have to do things to get back at him unexpectedly, but it was way more successful than I thought it would be. And I was so happy. So I'm just laying on my couch, and then I get a text on my phone that says, I hope you're proud of yourself. I listened to my voicemail in public on speaker. <laughs> So he was calling me, but I was too busy laughing. He calls me, and I answered the phone. He was just like, fuck you, you fucking bitch. I fucking hate you. He was going off the rails. He was he was living. He was like, fuck you, you a fucking cut. Like he, was, he called me everything in the book. Nah, I was in the restroom in the stall because I was taking the shit, and then I listened to your voicemail on public on speaker so it was loud as fuck it echoed off the walls okay at this point i'm wiping tears out of my fucking face because i couldn't take it i was literally crying that was the best thing that i could have fucking had go my way and y'all don't understand how much of an asshole he is so he deserved it the fact that it went that way i just loved it but yeah some fuck shit that happens to somebody else not me oh don't worry it'd be some fuckery it's some fuckery that happens to my fucking ignorant ass but i just wanted to start off with that to kind of give you something lighthearted before i kind of dive into this topic so there's a lot that kind of goes on with people day to day. Like you never really know what the other person is kind of going through. People get addicted to certain things, you know, uh, whether it's alcohol or shopping or food. What was crazy was I recently saw this movie. Uh, maybe you've heard of it. It's called Requiem for a Dream. Came out a long time ago, but it had a star-studded cast. Jared Leto, they had Marlon Wayans, Ellen Burstyn, who played the mother. And honest to God, she deserves an Oscar for that role because from the beginning of that movie to the end of it, she did a complete change. It's a tough watch. I'm gonna kinda explain this movie without spoiling it the best way I can. Sarah, the mother, she found addiction due to loneliness, grief, and delusion. She was absolutely obsessed with wearing this specific red dress from her past. It reminded her of a time where she was happy and she had intimate relationships with her husband and son. She's a widow in the movie. Uh, she literally drove herself off the deep end to try to reach her goal, which ultimately was her downfall. And the sad thing about this movie that her last conversation that she had with her son Harry, who was played by Jerry Leto, was a cry for help. 
Harry, Sarah's son, is a drug addict, and you can see his behavior, how he acts towards his mother, and it's actually pretty heartbreaking. There's actually someone else in this movie who gives kind of the same tropes that Sarah does. Tyrone, who's Harry's best friend and someone who's dealing with grief in his life the same way that Sarah is. His mother, who actually gave him true unconditional love in a broken household, passed. And that passing is what fueled him to succeed. He had nothing after that. So he didn't have a father. He didn't have any siblings. He had no one in his life to lean on. And after his mother passed, led him to his life of crime in the movie. The only thing he had was memories of his mother that he was basically just trapped in. And he kept his life just living in the past the same way that Sarah was. Not actually moving forward. Him and Sarah both destroyed themselves of any good potential they had due to loneliness. Trapping themselves in the past, clinching on the memories, never moving forward. There's one more person in this movie, Marion. That's Harry's girlfriend in the movie, another drug addict. So who in the movie received everything she needed financially from her parents, but they kept their distance. Even paying for a therapist event to first before coming to them was actually pretty fucked up. Like they had no involvement in her life and just threw money at her, threw money at her. Though the relationship is essentially transactional to the point to where she falls into a dark underground world for her addiction when Honestly, she could have asked her parents who paid no mind to her for money. So the whole time that she was doing that, it was a cry for help that was unheard. Watching the movie, you basically just see how easy it is to fall into these addictions. Which brought me to the research of a Gabor Mate. Just to kind of spell it out, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E who is a Hungarian-Canadian physician. Uh, just to kind of give you guys some backstory on him so you don't think I'm just pulling from a random blogger, Mate ran a private family practice in East Vancouver for over 20 years. The medical coordinator of the palliative care unit at Vancouver Hospital for seven years. For 12 years, he was the staff physician at Portland Hotel, a residence and resource center located in downtown Vancouver. The best-selling author of four books, Published in over 25 languages, Galbor is an internationally renowned speaker highly sought after for his expertise on addiction, trauma, childhood development, and the relationship of stress and illness. His book on addiction received the Hubert Evans Prize for Literary Nonfiction for his groundbreaking medical work and writing. He has been awarded the Order of Canada, his country's highest civilian distinction, and a Civic Merit Award from his hometown Vancouver. So, yeah, the dude is pretty decorated. You can find his stuff anywhere. You can find his books or you can find little clips on YouTube. And I was um, just reading a lot of his articles, listening to a lot of different interviews, how he actually would talk about addiction. And his definition of addiction is craving pleasures of relief in the short term, suffers negative consequences in the long term and the inability to give it up. It has nothing to do with substances. So he's saying you could be addicted to anything, whether it's shopping or eating or watching tv or drugs or sex it could be money it doesn't matter it could be anything it's just whatever gives you that dopamine in your brain right the official definition of addiction by the american society for addiction medicine is a primary brain disorder it arises in the brain largely due to two genetic reasons and gabon believes that this simply isn't true the other idea is that it's a choice which is what the Western legal system is based on, because if they aren't choosing, then why are they being punished, right? Addiction is a response to human suffering. Not only is that my perspective, it's also what the scientific and research literature shows. So addiction then is actually, rather than being a disease as such or a human choice, it actually is, it's an attempt to escape suffering temporarily. And so what's sad is, you know, cultural depictions of addicts is usually desperate individuals, but without showing why they're desperate. 
when really these people are traumatized children, abused physically, sexually, emotionally, etc. The very physiology of the brain is affected by early trauma. So down the line, when people become addicted to something, it's not the addiction. It's the emotional pain you didn't know what to do with. The addiction was an attempt to solve the problem. That's why they use. Because they have deep emotional problems, they have no means to solve it. Relating that to the movie in Requiem for a Dream, when you actually look at the reasons that they actually found their addictions was because they were all dealing with some emotional trauma that relates exactly 100% with what Gabo Mate is stating. In my family, like I have a line of alcoholics, so I run from alcohol like hell. Whatever it is in your family, like, you know, whatever it is in your family, whether you want to call it a generational curse or you want to call it genetics, whatever it is, we need to recognize it. The worst thing that we can do is pass on the same traumas that we grew up with. We manifested something else. We carry that over. It happens time and time again, and we will learn from the past if we can apply it to the future so we can make the next generations better. And so in my life, the alcoholics that... I had to look back on like my great grandfather was an alcoholic to the point to where they had to give him alcohol in the hospital to stabilize him. Alcoholics die from symptoms of withdrawal and he literally would have died if he did not have alcohol in his system daily. That's how much he drank. It went through my other family members and I just sat back and I watched because I remember working with my great uncle, rest his soul. He would show me his hand. He'd be like, look, watch this. And he would stick his hand out. And his hand would start shaking. And as he would drink, his hand would stabilize. He never showed me exactly what he was drinking. He just showed the brown bag. And I never understood at the time as a child what exactly I was witnessing. They had very traumatic experiences that they had no idea what to do with. Which is why I'm saying, and I want to tell you now, please go get help. Whatever it is, whatever you are dealing with. I have people very near and dear to me who, it, they're not addicts, it's not addicts to the point to where you know, they need to go off somewhere, but it's certain things that they're indulging in that needs to, hey, pump the brakes a little bit, slow down. I want you to get help. So, I mean, addictions are like everything else on a spectrum. So a lot of people do heal from addictions, but the most inveterate, most entrenched addicts, they have the hardest time. And they're also the ones whom society gives the hardest time so that it makes it even harder to help. It's not illegal to drink yourself to death. It's not illegal to make yourself sick with emphysema or lung cancer by means of cigarettes. The average medical student, until very recently, has never even heard the word trauma in their education. It doesn't show up. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about its impact on the brain, on the personality, and on, on the emotional life of people, on its impact on people's physical health. It's not a word that we mention. We're traumaphobic. As a fellow doctor said to me, the medical profession is traumaphobic. Psychiatrists these days are trained mostly in this biological model of psychiatry where everything comes down to a biological brain disease. Here, let's give you a pill. The last thing most psychiatrists know how to talk about is actually emotional pain or its origins in human experience. You'd think they'd know how to do that, but they don't. They're not trained in it. It's not part of the predominant medical ideology. And, you know, as a physician, I can tell you, we like to think of medicals as a science, and it has certainly great scientific achievements uh, to its credit and great scientific insights to buttress its successes. But it's as much as ideology as a science. 
and ideology has certain hidden assumptions that are hidden from the people that believe in ideology. And so that if something is excluded by your ideology, you just won't see it. And so that you can be talking to somebody about your addiction and the simple question, what did they do for you? And how come you're in so much emotional pain doesn't occur to anybody. So the amazing thing that also Gabo Mate said was when we're talking about once you get into the stage where you seek the help that you need to actually heal the traumas that we all have, because we all carry traumas. I carry traumas. Everybody I know and love carry traumas, but it's just about overcoming that so you can heal. So peep this. The key, according to the good doctor, reconnecting with yourself is how you get to recovery. Recovery is getting back something that you lost. But what people find in recovery is themselves. Losing yourself is the essence of trauma. So the true purpose is reconnection. It helped me understand that movie Requiem for a Dream a whole lot more. Requiem for a Dream just shows how easy it is for anybody to fall to any kind of addiction for any kind of dream or anything that they're still holding on to due to trauma or grief or anything that they're going through. Like I said, in my personal life, I've seen it. I've seen people sink due to their addictions. And the best thing that I could do is just try to be a hand, you know, be a shoulder, be a helping hand and do what I can for them. But this is why I recommend everybody, please go get help. Go seek some help. We're in an era now to where mental health is actually taken seriously across the board. Go get the help that you need so you can break away from these things that hold us back. Help me understand a lot better where addictions can come from, which a lot of it actually stems from in childhood. And for me, and especially more so in the black community, which I hate that this stereotype is very true, but, you know, mental health, that was just seen as weak. You know, we're not allowed to be mentally weak and have these issues. It's like, oh, for me... I know it was like, oh, is that some white shit? You know what I mean? There's no difference in that. So it's very tough to try to be open about these things, especially back then when all that was considered a form of weakness and you didn't want to say anything. So no one would look at you different or think that you're suicidal. It's just like, man, you just need help. I need to deal with something. I just don't know the means of how to deal with this. So, you know, we'll seek and try to seek the tools, but just don't stop seeking. There is somebody that can help you. So I'd rather you do that and get help because... As of recently in my life, you know, I've been kind of losing a few people left where I've been to more funerals than I care to name. And not to be so depressing, I, I talk about these things because I want people to be aware so we can be better and pass that on to the next generations. And no trauma being passed down so we can heal the future. So, man, thank you if you made it through that. I hope uh, you enjoyed it. I did a lot of research on trying to make sure I had this information right when talking about why I wanted to kind of bridge all those things together. Um, just to preach the message that, you know, it's okay to get help. It's okay to admit that you need it. go so all right gang so i've been doing my due diligence uh, you know it's so much i could watch between doing research for these podcasts and trying to go to work and maintain a normal balance and visit people it's, it's fucking crazy i will say i've been trying to catch up on all the marvel universe cinematically so 
I went back and watched Spider-Man Far From Home. Don't judge me. Shut up. Shut up. Shut up. Spider-Man Far From Home. I'm starting to finish up on Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Again, sue me. I'll shoot you. Uh, I already finished WandaVision. So then I'll be able to do that and then I'll be able to dive into Loki and actually catch up and do that. I know, be quiet, hush. I know, man. Look, I work, I work. I can't just watch all this shit. Like, it just do it at a, at a whim, man. You know, I'm gonna get fired at work trying to catch up and watch episodes and shit. I can't do that. <laughs> I can't do that. Be no more pod. Like, so, no, I'm gonna catch up. I'm watching all of it because I'm ready for the next phase of movies to come out that is gonna be ridiculous. Apparently, Doctor Strange and uh scarlet witch get a horror flick together that is going to blow my mind because i don't give a flying fuck the doctor strange movie was damn good the people who don't like it is the same motherfuckers who don't like to think it is a cult classic i love the doctor strange movie you had to really think to really truly understand it like grasp like some of that stuff that was in there it's like come on dude like it's not it's not even the most super in-depth movie of all time it's just like some introspective shit it's like oh okay man but it, the doctor strange movie was dope it's like, oh it was boring like oh my god um, i'm in an era of short attention spans because of tiktok and vine fucking a <laughs> uh but outside of that i'm catching up man i'm almost there and then once i get through with that um i'll go back on my anime because like, i actually paused on anime yes i know but i'm still reading I'm reading, guys. I'm still reading the mangas, okay? Gotta get myself ready for the next phase. Oh, I did finish up Castlevania, and, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Castlevania is the absolute shit. I know Netflix adaptations get a lot of bad rap, and they should, deservingly so. They, they fuck shit up. Like, how they fucked up He-Man? Oh, I gotta put He-Man fans on suicide watch. I apologize. That Netflix adaptation was absolute garbage. The piece of shit. I mean, it got dragged through the mud. The critics try to give it a 94, but the people are dragging it. Everything on Netflix, you can look, it's like, oh, this is bait and switch. And for you guys that don't know, so Netflix tried to get their hands on He-Man and tried to redo it. Apparently, this is supposed to continue from the original version from the 80s. Yeah, uh, they fucked up royally. <laughs> And there's no other way to put it. They fucked up royally. Because I know they straight up fucked up live action of Death Note. You don't think that you're going to see movies as bad as Dragon Ball Evolution. But oh, keep living. <laughs> keep living and you'll be disappointed. The world shall know pain. So <laughs> Shit is fucked up. Yeah, see, I had to kind of be a little silly. Because the first half I know was rough. But I fucking care. So I got to be a little bit more stupid on this side and make you guys laugh, kind of uplift the souls a little bit. Yeah, so sorry, He-Man fans. Yeah, that's absolutely fucking ass water. Like, how, like, who the fuck? And it's crazy because it's Jay and si uh, Silent Bob. I can't remember that. It's Kevin something. Kevin Smith, who tried to do the reboot of He-Man. Oh, man, he's getting dragged through the mud right now. Deservingly so. Just watch the first two episodes like a wise man told me. And uh, yeah, you'll see why. <laughs> Outside of that though, yeah. So I'm back on my Marvel Cinematic binge. I'm trying to catch back up. I'll be back up soon. Definitely by the time I put out the next podcast. I actually caught up a hell of a lot from where I was. Oh, Lord. But yeah, so I'm going to catch back up. I want to see what was really going down with this Loki. Because everybody just keeps talking so much shit about this Loki. So let me see. Let me check out, see what it is. Yeah, man, that's the podcast.
That's all I got for this week. Thank you if you made it through. If you like it, leave a review. Share it with a friend or two. I've been your humble host, Evan Savvy. The way you suck a dick, you get a B plus. You got it, hope. The way you suck a dick, you get a Prius. You got it, hope. You riding to the dope, they need to keep up.